July the 3rd, 2023. I am at Joel Pearl, and I think this is the first time a guest has ever been in the backstage area to hear our intro music play, Jeremy Lambert. <laughs> That's very unfortunate. Very unfortunate that we put we put this person through that. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to do. Uh, I mean, very quickly, uh, how are you? And then do you want to introduce our guest? Because uh, he's here and we're ready. I, I'm well. Uh, happy, happy... Um, Fourth of July to, to all the Americans who celebrate Fourth of July, which is tomorrow, but you know, we don't have a show tomorrow. So happy happy Fourth of July to everybody today. Yeah, let's let's get right to it. Um a, a surprise guest, someone who last minute said he would be willing to join the show, and we really appreciate it. Uh they have a big show this week, uh July 8th, airs on Fight TV. It is MLW Never Say Never, and we are joined right now by MLW owner Court Power. Court. How you doing? And thank you for joining the show. Hey, guys. Good morning. That was some sweet saxophone music we had going on there. Oh, we have possibly the worst intro music in, uh, in wrestling podcast history. <laughs> what are you saying? First of all, my close friend, Tim, former host with one of my other shows, he made that theme. Okay. And he did a adequate job. Okay. <laughs> adequate. Yes. Court, how are you doing this morning on Tuesday or on Monday? Jeez, I don't even know what day it is. And how are you feeling as MLW heads to Fight Plus with Never Say Never this uh, on July 8th? No, we're pumped. It's a weird week to have Fight Week when you have the 4th of July in the middle of it and everyone's off and we're like running production meetings and stuff and doing all of our usual pre-show logistics, putting out fires and all that stuff. But, but we're real pumped, man. This is our first live show live special since 2019 so it's been a long time the world's changed wrestling's changed a lot and so we're pumped to be able to live so deliver a show our last one was priced at like 20 25 dollars this one is going to be just 7.99 as part of fight plus and the whole subscription package so we're, we're, we're ready for it so actually i'm glad that we got right into uh, the the topic of production and doing something different um yeah. MLW's changed, clearly. I mean, not just from when you started in, in the early 2000s, but now in 2018 when you all relaunched and everything, uh, and then past the pandemic. What have you learned in the production realm of MLW since the early days? And also, what kind of influences your own philosophies on those changes? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the biggest change is technology. And when we started this, we started it in 02 in uh, Westchester, New York, in the same basement that started ECW's production, did all of ECW's production. There was still uh, VHS tapes, um, great Sasuke with Paul Heyman's notes, little notes on it, sitting in the background in 2002 in Charlie's basement. And so we, we adapted that ECW kind of bootstrap and use some elbow grease and electrical tape to, to get your production up and running. And that crew taught me everything. Joey Styles, all those guys taught me all I knew about production up to that point before going on to do stuff with WWE and, and elsewhere. Uh, and just seeing the evolution, you go from uh, 2018, we were using TV trucks uh, for MLW production and you have generators and all this overhead from it. And then you see the evolution of technology and how you can now have these media villages and a bunch of laptops and you're working at the same level. Actually, we think it's better production quality than what we had in 2018, 2019. Uh, and it's, so you're, you're, you're able to do a lot more with that. You have a lot more uh, in the budget. You also have to, to allocate to other things and you also have the freedom to do more production than, than we did years ago. So it's been all positive. Just be, I think, what this would have to do the 2019 version of what we're doing this weekend would have cost so much more in that old model. 
versus how technology sped up and allowed us to do a lot more with the new version than we could do in 2019. When it comes to the deal with with Fight Plus, we know the live specials are going to be on there. Has there been mm-hmm. any talks of putting the the weekly stuff on there or the archives on there? The weekly stuff Thursdays you can watch a simulcast and get us on YouTube Fight Plus, and you can watch the archives also. Uh, you can get MLW Fusion every Thursday now on Fight Plus, so that's locked in too. You can see it that way. You can see some of our big special events. You see our 2019 Super Fight Show. Uh, old opera cups. It's all on there now. You can just binge all day on MLW. I asked the same question to Shane Hawk from IWS in Montreal. Uh, they also made the jump to Fight Plus recently. Uh, I, I asked him, why now? What made MLW, what made Court Bauer decide that Fight Plus was the right home for MLW? We had had, I mean, Mike Weber and, and, and uh, on our side have had conversations for geez, I think we're joking five, six years about doing something big. It just, you know, just the stars didn't align for it. And then finally we had the right conversation at the right time this spring. And it just, it just locked. It made sense for both sides to do it. So we did it, but we've been very close over the years of doing stuff with fight. I, I first worked with Mike when we were both at ring of honor, 2013, 2014, something like that. So we've known each other a long time. Is there any update on MLW Underground and the return potentially of that for a second season? We're in talks. I can't say any more, but we're in talks. Oh, a car. Break some news here. I Let's know. get some breaking hey, news. When I can, I will. But, you know, it, it's, it's always something like that where, you know, until it's a, a done deal, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to tease anything. It's just, you know, it's the process. Uh, talk, talk to me a little bit about the the MLW Open Draft. It is returning at uh, MLW Never Say Never, and we had we had the first one. I believe it was about a year or so ago uh, with the Open Draft. You know, explain to fans who might not be aware of what this is exactly what the Open Draft is. Yeah, so we we started that in 21 when we came back after an extended period where we were doing empty arena matches during the pandemic and. The whole world had changed and we wanted to freshen up our roster and we started to think about how we could we do that, make that interesting as a prelude to the start of the new season and, and 21 in front of fans. And so the open draft was started and we drafted guys like Alex King was a top draft pick at the time we had EJ Naduka, Davey Richards and a bunch of other guys. So that was a way of just, you know, getting that roster big and, and doing it fast and in a different, you know, fun way from promoting perspective. And this year, you know, it's, we, we haven't done it. We didn't do it 22. And then Alex Kane actually brought up, he's like, you're going to do a draft this year. I was like, you know, that's actually not a bad idea because we're going to, we're looking to bring in a lot of new talent. And so this is a good way to kind of bridge the summer into the fall and do an open draft. So uh, right now we have kind of it mapped out through August, uh, but we're in talks with a few guys that might extend women that might extend that draft into, you know, deeper into late summer, into maybe the fall. So it's, it's a fun process to go through. And we don't know right now when it's going to end, but we do know first two uh, rounds will take place live on fight this uh, Saturday at never say never. I feel like every couple of years you're asked the question uh, about being the wrestler whisperer. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know if the word wrestler whisperer, I think it's another word before that, but hey, all right. Well, I, I asked because I interviewed you with, with our own Sean Ross Sapp a couple of years ago, and, and he asked you about that. I, I kind of I, I just want to follow up. In 2023, do you still perceive yourself as having a reputation akin to that, or is it more just like you're, you're more focused on the quality of your talent coming to MLW? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's a lot 
to to kind of in terms of bandwidth to to have that responsibility to kind of hold someone's hand that's a little bit more sensitive to things, maybe a little bit more volatile, whatever those things are that you're trying to to decode and help them feel good about the process to get the most out of them and have them have the most success. You know, it takes a lot of time. Day of a show, you know, sometimes all of a sudden they want everything that they liked. They decide we never had that discussion. We now got to do a whole different discussion. Like, oh my gosh, we have a show today. You have amnesia. What's happening? Uh, so, you know, it, it does kind of become a process that you kind of don't want on every show. And we're really right now, I think this locker room, I can't say that I'm using any of those special powers because they're so special. I don't need to. But it's been great to, listen, you know, the chemistry is great in the locker room. You know, when you have some of those, those guys, you definitely can see the, the the chemistry, the feng shui of a locker room is a little funky sometimes. And that, that's just, that's true at every company at some point and how it escalates depends on the situations they're going through at the time. But right now it's so smooth and it's like, man, I, I didn't realize it. You know, I don't think I've ever had a locker room where I didn't have to do that. Uh, so it's, it's been great. Um, but you never say never, but the right opportunity, the right guy where it makes sense for us to use and you'd be considered maybe a problem child, you know, we certainly would explore it. I, 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 I'm a big believer in second chances. I myself have gotten maybe more than two chances, three chances, four chances in this business. So uh, it'd be hypocritical for me to, to, to decline someone else's chance. Um, you know, as long as they're, you know, they haven't done anything deplorable. I got to ask about this story that kind of came out. Uh, I think it was the end of last week, this weekend, a Wisconsin-based nonprofit, Jake's Network of Hope, uh, accusing Jacob Fatu of kind of taking money and then ghosting. Have you talked to Jacob about this? Any comments on these uh, these accusations? Yeah, I mean, what I can say is that we're we're watching it very carefully. We take it very seriously. Uh, Fatu books himself on on third party shows, we have no involvement with that, but it's something we've, we've had meetings on and we've, we, we, we are watching carefully and we're continuing to monitor it and learn more about it. I appreciate you commenting on that. Yeah. And, and you know, I, we work with charities privately, you know, not for like, Oh, you know, isn't that great? He does that. But like, I think a lot of us probably work with charities. So when you see something like that, you know, how does it make you feel? Uh, so that's something that, you know, we're, we're genuinely watching. One of the ways that I found MLW was actually through the podcast network back in the day. And uh, there was there was a show that I loved more than anything. And that was the VIP lounge with MVP and Alex Greenfield. <laughs> I love Greeny. I think he's still with you guys, if I'm not mistaken. I literally was just talking to him five minutes before I got I was like, I got to go. I'm doing this show. And he was like, all right, well, I'll talk to you in a few. And I'm like, okay, we'll talk later. He's your other right hand man. I know MSL is also very much involved in the in the process, and I'm sure there are others. Um, can we can we talk about Greeny for a second? Because I feel he'll maybe, love it. <laughs> maybe it's personal, maybe because we're both Jews that I just appreciate it. Uh, can we just talk about his his involvement in MLW? Because clearly it has a, a major effect on how things are ran there. Yeah, I, I am. I got to meet Alex in 2005 in WWE. Uh, it was like a re- rotating door of, of writers from Hollywood coming through. Um, some with big fat deals, some didn't, some were fans, some weren't. He was a lapsed fan. He grew up on Mid South wrestling. He grew up on Georgia wrestling. Uh, didn't watch really after 1990 for a long time. And he, one of the first things he said to me is, who's the blue meanie? I was like, oh, one of these guys again. And I remember sitting there thinking, should I just like blow this guy off? And there's going to be another guy coming through or do I help this guy? And I was like, ah, you know what? Just help. Do the right thing. <laughs> Everything else here tells you to do the other thing. So do the right thing. Uh, 
uh, and then we, we became like best of friends over the years. And uh, uh, I think we got ourselves through our tours of duty there. And uh, I would bring him on for projects. He'd bring me on for projects, non-wrestling stuff. And it was just a, a great relationship. Friendship was born out of that, that we like talk daily. And uh, you know, it, he's, he's a big part of the fabric of the company in terms of production, in terms of, now, as we branch out now and have a booking team, you know, he has a different perspective than someone that may have spent their whole life watching wrestling. He sees it through a different perspective. And I think having that balance where everyone has different backgrounds and their involvement in wrestling is important. And, you know, he, he was a head writer on SmackDown. He has a lot of, uh, a lot of unique qualities and he's been a winner. And so you want that kind of guy, a part of your team. So he's, he, he's a great guy. And, uh, a loud voice backstage and, and we enjoy it. I ask about the, the growth of Alex Kane. Um, you know, the, the scoopster Sean Ross Sapp put out at the end of last year that MLW was high on Alex Kane. And now we're about to see Alex Kane challenge uh, Hammerstone for the championship. What do you, what, what can you say about just the overall growth of Alex Kane from where he started with you guys to nowadays to now, you know, big title match this weekend. You know, I'm so proud of him. He's um it, it, it's to, to ascend like he has and have that constant upward uh, trajectory is, is, is impressive. A lot of guys stutter. They, they, they slow down, they take veer off uh, their head blows up all these things. He's been such a steady progr- uh, progress of, you know, being in the open draft and starting out with King Mo and then finding his own voice and becoming a killer on promos uh, and then bell to bell, just continuing to grow and add to his arsenal. It's like, that's all you can ask for. Uh, and you know, you, it's fascinating just to kind of see his evolution, both in front of the crowd, but also behind the scenes. And you start to see a lot of the locker room starts to crowd around him and he becomes a locker room leader at a very young age. It's the old grizzled vets guys have been around for a long time, but he's got this energy. He's got this thing that you just don't see every day. And he's very special. And I'm, I'm very proud of him. We've uh, seen the, the calling make their splash in MLW, Ricky Shane Page and Akira, and they're flocked by Raven, which mm-hmm. I guess no pun intended there. Uh, talk to me about having Raven in the, in the locker room and kind of the influence that he has uh, with other wrestlers, including Ricky Shane Page and Akira and, uh, yeah, the, the members of the calling. Yeah, I, I, we first, I first worked with Raven uh, in MLW, in the original MLW. And uh, back then he was here with CM Punk, and he was giving me a lot of advice uh, along with Terry Funk. Uh, he also gave a lot of TV advice. He, he got me hooked on shows I didn't think he would watch. Like he was a big Desperate Housewives fan. Who knew? Uh, <laughs> kills his gimmick. Probably say that now. But um, you know, he's he, he he's really good at um, just giving guys perspective. You know, and you know, in the he's kind of a calm in the storm at this point in his career. And so there'll be moments where he just takes fans. It's all good. Just gives them context, gives them perspective, and all of a sudden reset them, and they're ready to go. Uh, he's, he's a great guy to have. He's, he's got a great mind for the business. Uh, he's gotten over everywhere he's gone. And I think that's one of the biggest things in wrestling is the art of getting over and making sure talent understands. It's like, you know, all these cute things or, or have a great match, but does it get over? Is your personality getting over? Are you connecting? Are you drawing money? That's an important quality, and he definitely emphasizes that. Joel mentioned the uh, wrestler whisperer thing earlier. I'm going to circle back and piggyback off that here for a second, because Mance Warner was a guy who was a part of MLW uh, ahead of the pandemic and then got his, got his release. That was a kind of a public thing and then returned 
how did that come about besides just we we offered beer to each other <laughs> you know it's uh i think i think there is something also to the 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 kind of like can you repair relationship do do both parties have the balls to do it and can you get there and and that's a generalization not pertaining to exactly the math but it's like it's always something in wrestling you like oh my god that person just showed up there i thought there was heat or whatever you know there's that and that can be intoxicating oh the allure of doing something people don't think is going to happen but with Manta, something like man, we always love. He was he's just made for TV. He's such a great promo. Uh, he knows how to get himself over. And he's such a distinct character, and how he works is so different than anything else on the card. And so we look at the Battle Riot last year, and we had had kind of talks between there was a, a certain middleman in, in Alabama that was facilitating talks, you know, to try to repair the relationship, and and that had been happening since kind of it, it breaking down, and over time. Uh, you know, the right moment hit and we got on the phone and it was just a very quick call, man. It's myself like a week before the riot, maybe the week of the riot. I'm like, dude, you want to come? You doing anything this Thursday? Come to New York. And he's like, hell yeah. Here's some more dates. Hell yeah. And here we go. And all of a sudden, then the second gear crew showing up. And man, I just wrote a bunch of TV and Nance is the spine for it along with the second gear crew because dudes are super entertaining. A little did I know, you add a little micromanage to the mix. You got all types of weirdness going on. <laughs> Uh, back in, uh, in April, uh, we found out that Enzo who had been working with MLW had, uh, parted ways. There was a lot of, uh, back and forth and, and, you know, I, I guess we'll call it, he said, she said, uh, you want to comment on, on anything that, uh, that was said or the experience working with Enzo, anything like that? Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed working with Enzo. I really did. I, I think he had a lot he was willing and excited to contribute to. And we had a really good run with him. Um, and then he hit a bump in the road and sometimes you reach an impasse and that's where we were at. It, he had a, he had a position. He wasn't willing to seemingly budge on it. I was in a position where I couldn't. Um, we, I, I tried to wrap things up privately. Then he went on Twitter and so released several videos and we just like, that's, that's where it ended. Um, you know, I, I think he's misunderstood in a lot of ways. I think he's uh, very passionate about the business. I think a lot of people probably don't realize the guy loves the business. Um, but you know, also time, there's a point in time where you got to take a break and that's, that's where it landed with us. You know, I, I like when things, when someone can just, I think the best thing for, for, for everyone is when someone can leave super hot with a lot of momentum, with, with raving reviews, like MJF, great example. That guy on his last day in MLW, I think wrestled like four matches or something, including an empty arena match before the empty arena matches were exhausted with, with Mance Warner. That guy left with his stock at an all-time high and with rave reviews. And then it's basically, it's like, it's like your Yelp review, right? Oh, everyone's going to want to go and check that out. But if you leave somewhere and it's like, mm, it's a little funky, what's the next potential promoter going to say about that? And so, you know, my advice to in general is just like, you know, try to leave and, and, and leave a place in a better place and, and leave with all that momentum you can. And, and if you do, I think everyone's going to want to work with you and you're going to, everyone's going to want a piece of that. If you don't, it's going to be a little, it's going to be a harder road. And look, that I certainly made that mistake myself plenty of times throughout my career. So it'd be hypocritical. I say, I didn't, I didn't learn. Hopefully I learned from my lesson, but I certainly see it differently now. What's the easiest choice you can make? 
Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The show is MLW. Never say never. I don't keep it too much longer. Court, so I'm going to do a hard sell. Then I'm going to let you do a hard sell as well. It is MLW. Never say never. July 8th airs on Fight Plus. Uh, headlined by the MLW World Heavyweight Championship match between the long reigning champion Alex Hammerstone against Alex Kane. And I believe Alex Hammerstone will be joining us on Wednesday. Uh, so he will be on the show on Wednesday. MLW World Heavyweight Champion Alex Hammerstone. We have the MLW World Tag Team Championship match. Fans bring the weapons. Samoan SWAT team against the calling the mlw world featherweight championship match against the women's featherweight championship match apologies against the wxw world women's championship delmi xo against ava everett and believe i can also say this delmi xo will be joining us on friday's show uh we have timothy thatcher against tracy williams we have becca singing we have a country whipping match between mance warner and sam adonis we have the mlw open draft starting again it is mlw never say never it is live on fight plus july 8th it's in philadelphia it's at the 2300 arena you can go to mlw2300.com to get some tickets you can you can sign up subscribe to fight plus to watch the show live court anything else you want to add man you killed him jeremy what's your rate <laughs> so i'm going to bring you in to do my control centers i mean look four years in the making uh hammerstone has dominated major league wrestling he won the national title in may of 2019 he has not lost in four years. And then he went and acquired another title from Fat Two in the World Heavyweight title. This dude has been unstoppable. 16 title defenses, four years. No one has been able to stop him. I mean, you look at the list, it's a who's who from Mexico to Japan to to guys like Fat Two to Davy Richards. All those guys couldn't do it. Will that man be Alex Kane? Or will uh Kane be number 17? Maybe Kane sends Hammer on vacation, Suplex Island this summer. You never know. You gotta watch. Fight Plus, never say never, this Saturday night. And just go and binge MLW, catch up on MLW on Fight Plus. They have a great app. You can get on Roku, get on Samsung, get on everything. $7.99 a month gets you. MLW gets so much stuff. You can just binge on wrestling all 24-7, 365 with that thing. $7.99 a month. There you go. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us here at the top of the show court. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day. Good luck with MLW. Never say never this weekend. We will be tuning in for sure. We'll have plenty of coverage on it on Fightful this weekend. Again, we've got Hammerstone on Wednesday. We've got Tell Me Expo on Friday. Big week of MLW coverage here on In the Weeds as well. See it on Philadelphia, 2300 Arena, MLW2300.com. Get your tickets. Watch on Fight Plus. Thank you, you, Court. Thank you, Court. Thank you. Appreciate it. MLW week on the show. That was you know, uh, we... unexpected. Oh, so, okay. Well, again, peel back the curtain as we like to do here on this show. Uh, when I think people could have figured this out by now, the 
when companies, independent companies and smaller companies, basically any company that's not WWE and AEW, when they have a show running a certain week, we like to have guest wrestlers on to try to promote that show. Again, I think that's been very clear, obvious of how we've kind of done things since we've started this show. MLW has a big show this week. They're back on Fight Plus. They're or they're on Fight Plus. They're back live. So I was trying to say. Uh, it's a live show that MLW just haven't done in a few years. So we reached out to MLW and said, hey, can can we get some guests this week? Uh, and they they gave us Hammerstone. They gave us uh, Delmi as well, two of their champions. And then we had somebody else trying to get lined up for today. And it, it didn't happen for, for one reason or another. We're, we're actually going to still try to get this person on later on. Uh, but Court was like, I got a few minutes at 10. If you would like me to join, I'll be more than happy to join. We're like, that's that's great you know we'd love to have you so that's why it was right at 10 it was a more or less a last minute thing i think i messaged joel at like nine like i think court bauer's joining us today and joel's like okay <laughs> so i'll peel i'll peel back the curtain even further i was out for a walk with my kid at that point <laughs> so we're like walking around our area just picked up some groceries and i'm just like da, 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 and all of a sudden like check my watch and it's like Court Bauer might join us at 10 o'clock. I'm just like, oh, well, shocking. I don't know what I'm going to do because I don't have a lot of, like, I know, I know MLW, I know Court, I know MLW radio, obviously. It's like, I don't know how much notation I have on my hands for this. But uh, no, it was good. I was really glad he came. I was really glad that uh, we're going to speak to Hammerstone on Wednesday. I'm going to ask him so many questions about guitar playing and, and being a rock and roll superstar wrestler. Going to get him to play some guitar for us. I'm surprised he didn't try to get Court Bauer to knock me out on TV or something. Oh, not yet. You know, I, I gotta, I gotta build up for that. Hopefully court will join us. Yeah, we gotta foster yeah. those relationships. Yeah. Hopefully court will join us again in the future. And then uh, I'll get you a booking and get you, you know, he was, he was going to ask me to do control center there after, after my big plug. So I actually advocated for myself instead of advocating, getting you beaten up, Joel Burrow. Jarek Scalibur over here with his quick <laughs> plugs. <laughs> Not that good. Not no, that good. That you, man. You did well. That man's on a different level with the way he runs through uh, the the cards and the matches and everything. Completely that, different level. He just. He, you know what he does? He mutes his mic. He turns to the side. He takes a big pull of oxygen that's next to him, and then he just go 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 go, and that's how he gets through it. Uh, I think that's how it goes. Hey, by the way, speaking of getting through it, we ain't get to get through this. Uh, go ahead. If you're here, leave a thumbs up on the video because we are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern on Fightful Overbooked. Uh, subscribe to us here at YouTube.com slash Fightful Overbooked or go to FightfulOverbooked.com. It's just going to redirect you to the YouTube page. But either way, go and subscribe to us if you haven't yet. Uh, Joel and Kate, for some reason, did really good numbers last night. Don't yeah, know what, what happened, happened there. <laughs> Kate and I argued for a few minutes and we that's enough for the algorithm, I guess. I don't get it. <laughs> but here we are. Uh, you can donate a Super Chat if you want to support us here at Fightful Overbooked. Any amount, get your question or statement read on the air, of course. Uh, we always appreciate the support because guess what? We get to pay our staff like that. And and our staff not not named Kate, Joel, or Jeremy. So I think uh, y'all know who those people are. We plug them every show that we get a chance to do so. Uh, yeah. So go ahead. Do that. Get on it. Let's go. Uh, Jeremy, busy weekend. Money in the bank. Collision happened. I mean, collision happened on Thursday, but it aired on Saturday. Uh, we have plenty to go through. You want to just start with Money in the Bank? We could start with Money in the Bank. I mean, that was the you know the biggest show of the weekend. That's I mean, very fair to say, obviously. Um, and we were right, Joel. I think that's the biggest takeaway from Money in the Bank is you and I collectively were correct. Damian Priest won 
the money in the bank briefcase, which was something you had predicted. Drew McIntyre returned and confronted Gunther, which is something I said. And we we both both ran on the, on the Drew McIntyre train, but yeah, you absolutely nailed that. It would be Gunther. And Roman Reigns was penned in the main event, which is something that I said on Friday's show as well. Yeah, and it made the most sense thinking back to it. I think you and I talked about that as well, that Sola Sokoa eating another pin didn't really make sense in the long-term story of, of the bloodline. So really all you had to do was you beat the Usos, what do you do? Now the Usos got a big win. They pinned Roman Reigns, Jay pinned Roman Reigns. Same way he did back in, you know, what was it, 2013-14 when they did that big tag. Everyone's, everyone's talking about it, how the finishes mirrored Roman's first pinfall loss in WWE back in the day, uh, which was great. Again, I think that these these guys are really good at calling back to moments in their careers or at least trying to make big moments uh, resurrected and, and, and meaningful. They did this here. It was a really uh, solid finish. The rest of the match, to be honest, I've said this on Joel and Kate, P.S. Hayes, if he's producing, which he seems to be because he does all of the matches, they need a, they need another voice in there because the matches have become very paint by numbers. They've become very uh, you expect certain things like a, a ref bump is going to happen. Guess what? It did. The low blow happened. Guess what? It happened. It's we need to find a different way to tell those stories in between the ropes because we're doing great jobs with the dialogue, but we're starting to lose a little sight in the meat of the match. The finishes are good. Everything the building up to the match is good. You got to, and again, maybe it's nitpicky. You got to keep me for those first 10, 15 minutes. No, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, the, the biggest thing that happened in the first 10, 15 minutes was the, the chanting. And like, if Roman sucks, stand up. And Roman just sits down and it's like, what are these people talking about? Like, they don't understand who I am. Like, I think Roman is always fantastic during these matches with his trash talk and just talking to like Heyman and his mannerisms and his facial expressions and everything. I think he's always great at that during these matches, but as far as like the, the bulk of the match goes, I don't like, I don't get into them until the ref bump happens because you just expect the ref bump to happen. So it's like, all right, just can we get through all of this stuff until we hit the ref bump? And then once the ref bump happens, now things start to pick up. And that's when you kind of pique my interest a little bit. But before that, I'm just like, yeah, they're just kind of going out there and doing things and going through the motions and everything. And like the work isn't bad, mind you. Like everything is crisp. All these guys are good workers and stuff. But they they don't really have my full on attention during it. Then the ref bump comes, and I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's let's hit into the stretch here. Yeah, and I agree that that's that's just the way those matches have been, and it's time to uh, time to figure out a different path to get there. The especially with the ref bump. <laughs> let's just get rid of the ref bump. Uh, what else? Is they there? should. Yeah. Was there anything else in that particular match that really, <laughs> is there anything else in that match that really uh, tickled your fancy other than uh, what we've already talked about? Uh, I like the low blow callback on like the kick out with uh, Jay doing that to, to Roman. They, they did the stack pen, which mm-hmm. I said might happen at SummerSlam, but they kicked out. And like the moment they kicked out, I'm like, oh, they're pinning Roman. They're pinning him. Like yeah. if they're not going to stack pin here, yeah, they're going to pin Roman. And, and he, he had made allusions to it online too. So the second I saw Roman say I was going to stack them, I was like, oh, we're going to try that. It's not going to work. So that was good. Yeah. I, I, but, I, but I appreciated that as a fan who follows closely. I, I knew that was going to be a beat in the story. And it wasn't like, 
oh, they're going to try it. It's going to be stupid. It's so predictable. No, this was one of those times where it was like, you did it. It worked. That was fun. Let's go. Yeah, it was fun because like Roman had took out Jimmy and then they did the the spear spike combo on Jay. So like that that was a great false finish and the crowd popped huge for it. Like that was a great, great false finish and, and Roman sold it well. And then yeah, the, the finish, just the super kicks uh, and then the Uso splash and it was just Jay. I did say that like if they're going to do it, it might be both of them. And, and so that way you set up a triple threat. It was just Jay, according to to Meltzer. It seems like we're doing Jay and Roman at SummerSlam. Do you think that is what they actually do? It's a, it's an obvious setup with Jay pinning Roman. But do you think they do end up turning this into a triple threat with Roman being like, he pinned me. He, you know, good on him. But like, how do you feel about this? Like, don't you want this gold as well? Aren't you tired of being in your brother's shadow? You were out injured. He rose to the top. He ascended. Up here, you're just play back there. You're just in the shadow. You, you cool being the pool boy back there, man? While he's getting all the shine, you okay with that, Jimmy? And trying to, you know, pit them against each other a little bit. Like, do we think it's going to be a triple threat match, or are they just going to go with Jay and Roman? Got to do a triple threat. Yeah, I mean, I've said this. I've said this elsewhere too. It's like that the island of relevancy runs on a very special formula known as gaslight. And that is what we're going to do. Roman is going to gaslight his 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 cousin Jay into a triple threat match with Jimmy, and Jimmy's going to get gaslit too. Because what was the what was the promo that led to the Usos reuniting and turning on Roman? It was you know you're you're the brother who's always successful. You were you had the prom king. You were the head of the football team, the captain of the football team. Yada yada yada. That was Jay speaking to Jimmy. So why wouldn't Roman use that against Jimmy? or against Jay, I should say, to get Jimmy into the match. There is absolutely something there. And then Roman, all he has to say is, let's see, is is uh, is blood, you know, what, I forgot what I said, but it was something like, let's see, is this title thicker than blood or something like that? I forget what I said, but I said it last night on the show. Uh, it's, it's been a long morning and I've been up, I'm, I'm done. But uh, that's where I see a triple threat would make the most sense. And that is where you could potentially do a stack em finish. Yeah. And that would look, that'd be such a, dick move and i love it it would just work and it rebuilds roman and on top of that it you have another story to tell there's still another guy there's a fourth and that's solo sokoa you still have a story to tell there because he did not eat the pin last night he was in the match he was dominant when he was until he well, until he wasn't but uh he he had his moments and now roman can either you know, go after him or there can be a little tension there, whatever it is, you've got a fourth guy that you can play off of and start telling, start expanding on that story. Cause what do we know about Solo Sokoa? He's a badass who, you know, you don't want to cross. Why is that? Let's get into that story. Let's, let's get him into the point where even he has to choose between his, his tribal chief or his brothers, his actual blood. Where are we going to go with him? And that's where you can start planting those seeds leading into SummerSlam coming out of SummerSlam. There's plenty of space. And with Solo, you know, the, the Usos said, like, that's the tribal chief right there. That's the next shot. And Roman just laughed at this. Like, Roman is very dismissive of Solo. It's almost like he just takes Solo for granted. And Solo's been the good soldier. You know, Solo put himself basically through this table at, at Money in the Bank. He was trying to splash Jimmy, and Jimmy moved. But, like, he just sacrifices himself for Roman. And when does that get old for Solo? Does it get old? For solo, does he just continue to do that bidding, or does he finally like, all right, I'm, I'm done with this? I think that's probably the next step in the story 
after SummerSlam or after SummerSlam, if they just go with Jimmy or they just go with Jay, sorry, and they just do Roman and Jay at SummerSlam, then does Jimmy get his singles match? I would think that's the next part if it's just Jay because you got to have the Jimmy singles match at some point. They did they have they had to have a singles match, Roman. Yeah, yeah when Jimmy. Jimmy when Jimmy first came back. Yeah. Yeah, they did one. It was still in the Thunderdome. Nobody remembers the Thunderdome, which is why they're able to run these singles matches back because now they have right. crowds to react in live, you know, live and in person. So I imagine they'll if they just do Jay at SummerSlam, they'll do the Jimmy singles match at some point. And then where does it go from there? Solo would be the the obvious choice. How you get there, I I don't know. Um did they got- do I don't I don't I see this on cage match, Roman and Jimmy. I could have sworn they did it. I could have sworn. I don't see it. Jimmy Udo. There's Jay. Oh, done maybe, Roman and Jimmy. Maybe they never done Roman and Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy so came back and he immediately was like nobody's bitch, but he also fell in line real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they've. It, at least according to my cage match searching, I don't see a oh, Roman and Jimmy singles match. So that's usually pretty good about that. So you're probably yeah. right. I thought they had, there you go. Th- nobody remembers the Thunderdome, which makes this even <laughs> more pertinent to the point <laughs> I'm making uh, or the point that you're making. But the, the solo match to me feels like it'll be at the rumble, which is a while okay. away, but he's not going to, Roman's not going to re- um, put that title on the line at every single event moving forward. Right. Payback, probably not going to be there. He's probably or if he is there, he's going to be in a tag match or a six man, whatever it is. I don't anticipate Roman doing a lot of defending that title one on one, which, you know, feel how you're going to feel about it. That's kind of how you keep this title ring going. And I wouldn't say keeping it fresh, but at least keeping it um, relevant when you do the title matches. So I could see Solo getting the Royal Rumble shot uh, because I don't know if people expect Solo Sokoa to walk out with the WWE Universal Championship as his first main roster title. Uh, that would be a big a big moment, but a very unexpected one. So instead, you have him do the Rumble where people don't normally win the title, and uh, that's it. You move on towards WrestleMania. Whoever wins the Rumble, I don't think it's Cody. And if the rumors are true about doing Cody and Roman at 40, then I think it's more likely that Cody wins the Elimination Chamber. Because two-time Royal Rumble winner, I don't know how many people are going to love that. What about back to Dwayne? Back. I don't think I don't think they give a shit about Dwayne. I think I honestly I think fans got so deep in their feels about bringing him in, and we, we're we're just as guilty. We talked about it, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't foresee Dwayne. I don't I don't think Rock's going to be there. I don't think he's showing up, and I'll go one further. I don't think he's necessary for this. That's I fair. don't think I don't think he he fits this. And I know that might sound a little bit strange just because like he's the rock and he is bloodline and he is part of the lineage and everything. And like, obviously he has a place in this. Here's my issue with him is this is a very serious, like family matter between all of these guys Rock just comes in there and does his corny jokes. And like, it feels like it could be very out of place when he is doing that stuff, when they are doing what they're doing. So 
Look, could Rock come in and make it work? Yeah, I believe he probably could. He's he's the Rock. He's good enough to do all that. He's got to switch it up, though, because the last few times we've seen the Rock, he's just been corny joke Rock, and that ain't working with this. All right? They're doing real cinema here, Dwayne. They ain't doing Tooth Fairy stuff. They ain't doing your cookie-cutter movies out there. They're doing real cinema, so we'd have to switch it up a little bit. Shout out to Triple H. Who knows now? <laughs> we'll talk about the press conference. Is 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 Nan still scheduled to join us at eleven twenty? Yes. Okay. Yes. You you had made allusion to somebody not. I wasn't sure if that was something uh, someone different. When you were talking about court and the MLW stuff, and, and... oh yeah, it was an MLW guest not okay. not being able to join us. Okay. Not uh, so, so yeah, Naren Flanders uh, from the Mirror in the UK is going to be joining us at eleven twenty a.m. Talk about uh, her live experience at Money in the Bank. We're going to put her on the spot, just like Paul Levesque did during the press conference. There are no women here. We have to bring it. Where are the women? And then they found one, and she asked a very good question, actually. So we're going to not actually. It was like on the spot. She asked a very good question that maybe she had prepared, maybe she didn't. We'll talk to her about that in the live experience. Um, before we continue about talk about the the show itself, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and it's been on my mind um, a lot since I watched the press conference for Money in the Bank. I'm not throwing shade at our UK pals who are part of the media, who are in the room, who are doing any of this. I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way because I because we talk about our we we have these people on our show. Alex McCarthy is one of them. <laughs> what <do> you <laughs> thank you, Jeremy? Cup in your ear. Um. I learned year ago or two years ago about the whole like the attire that you wear when you're on screen, when you're trying to be a quote unquote, maybe a, a journalist, a media person, whatever it is uh, in wrestling media and wearing the, the T-shirt or the hat or something that promotes the brand that you're talking about feels a little strange in that room. And there were a lot of people wearing like, WWE hats or uh, I was there money in the bank t-shirt. I'm not going to, I'm not going to rip on anyone for being a fan. Cause guess what? We're all here. We're all fans. I've got a Rey Mysterio mask. I've got a, a you know, I got an LA park or La Parca mask. I've got a WWE towel. That was once in my background. Like I, I have this stuff. Um, I just feel weird going into personally. I would feel weird walking into a press scrum for WWE wearing a WWE branded shirt. And I don't know why some of our friends make that decision to do. And it happens, by the way, it happened at AEW as well. It happened at Forbidden Door. There were plenty of media who were sitting wearing, you know, Forbidden Door garb or AEW garb. Um, yeah, I don't know why that choice is made if you're doing the work that you do. The content creators are a little different, I guess. But so, yeah, I don't, know. I, I don't know if you have any opinion on that. It's just been weighing on me. I've been thinking about it. And again, it's no, no shade at our friends in the UK or our friends here that do that. Just something I think about. There's a uh, if you if you cover no offense to wrestling, if you cover a, a real sport, you you get a media pass and it says like no cheering in the press box. You know the the, the journalists they they who cover the a team or whatever they're obviously close to the team. They have relationships with the players and management and things. But like at the games, you're not going to see them wearing like a a, a Colorado Avalanche shirt or anything like that when they are uh, covering the, the games and everything. Um, I, I get what you're saying. I remember when I covered Full Gear uh, 
2019. And, you know, this is like the first AEW like event after their TV deal and stuff. But like, I was never going to like cheer during the show. I, I just, I always wanted, cause I covered high school, I covered high school and college and even a little bit of uh, professional sports for my local newspaper. So like, I know the like no cheering in the press box type of thing. Um, so I was never going to cheer like during the event and, and stuff. I try not to even wear like wrestling shirts on this show. I think I've slipped up a, a couple of times like it happens, but I, I just try not to. I try to maintain some type of integrity when it comes to that. I see what you're saying when it comes to like not wearing those shirts. I think this becomes a thing of wrestling is just a little bit different and maybe you know we we do have to hold ourselves to a higher standard like hey if we don't want to come across as marks then maybe we shouldn't wear wwe and AEW branded shirts when we're at an attending a press conference but you know no no knock on alex mccarthy we love alex mccarthy when roman reigns asks him to acknowledge me he acknowledges him uh you know the 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 questions that are asked some are in character some are not like it's just a little bit of a of a different beast and i think it's all how you want to just sort of present yourself and i think not everyone just cares of like it doesn't want to be taken serious it's like hey i'm this super journalist who is here to to do a job and cover i think some people are just like hey i'm here as a fan i'm fortunate enough to be in this position to ask these questions but i'm still gonna show off my my fandom and everything i think it's just how you want to present yourself i will say that i you'll never catch me in the next man's sweater and you will never catch me in an event branded t-shirt when I am there to cover the event. I will wear my Colorado Avalanche shirt and I'll wear my 2022 Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche hat because that is the only team that I support. I do not support Team AEW or Team WWE. I would find it very funny, though, if you did end up at a, uh, a payback and you're just wearing John Cena gear head to toe. Oh, yeah. That, see, like... Well, first off, that's a tremendous bit if I just did that. And I just like ask questions as John Cena or something. Like I, I just like read the John Cena tweet quotes. Yes. Or that, not the quotes, but like the tweets he sends, the motivational quotes that he sends. And I'm just what's a, what what's John Cena tweeted today? Hold on. Let's look. Oh up. man. I know he tweeted um, yesterday his gratitude about doing uh money in the bank, or maybe yeah. Right. So what if I just walk up to who somebody they always get at these uh, Natalia? Natalia is always doing sure. these uh, commercials. Shout out um, to Maddie, by the way, who now has more Guinness World Records. That's wild. Again, I I said this before. I'll say it again. My opportunity to speak to her at at uh, Elimination Chamber really added to my respect for her. I know people make fun of her a lot, but like she really does love this and she really does well at this. So yeah, kudos to her. But did you, did you find the tweet? I mean, yeah, it's just on John Cena's Twitter. There's a million of them. He just tweets motivational quotes all day. So what if I just go up to like Natalia dressed in full John Cena garb? I got the sweatbands around here somewhere. Oh, here we go. I don't know if the, the kids. So here we go. I said, ah, oh, I'm not going to catch me promoting stuff, but here you go. John Cena got the John <laughs> Cena sweatband. Uh, the, the children love this thing. They go around, they go like this all day and they act like they're invisible and they can get away with anything. Um, I full John Cena garb. And I'm just like, Hey, Natalia, 
the more your relationships in life are based off of love, the more love you will have in life. Thoughts? Just see what she says. Just ask these motivational, just basically thoughts on these motivational quotes that John Cena tweets. I think this is a great bit. You know what? Payback, Pittsburgh, let's do it. Somebody, I think I have more or less, I don't know if I have jorts. Uh, I'll get some jorts. I definitely have a John Cena shirt. I got a sweatband. I can get a John Cena hat. We'll, we'll go full John Cena garb and we'll just ask wrestlers the motivational quotes. We'll, we'll read them the motivational quote and just thoughts. See what they it's, say. It's celebrities read mean tweets, but it's Jeremy Lambert asks wrestlers John Cena questions. John, John Cena motivational tweet questions. I might, I might actually not full John Cena get up. I might, cause you get like, you get like three minutes with these people, right? Like you don't get that much time. With also, we don't, even know, we don't even know if you're, if the show that you're planning to go to is going to have any of these. Right. Wrestlers. I assume so. They seem like they do it for all these events nowadays, which is, which is great. I guess they didn't for backlash. Um, I mean, no, they did for backlash because they're in Puerto Rico. So they did like a media okay. day. Okay. They didn't do a press conference for backlash though. They did. It was like the Friday morning or something. Oh, right. But I'm saying a post-show event, post-show press conference. They no, that. they did the pre-show. They did the same thing with Saudi Arabia. They did the pre-show. Yeah. Is that way they, they pick one or the other. Um, I, I, and I, I feel like after SummerSlam, they're going to take a break until Survivor Series. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. It really depends on how big the card is, how big the event is. When there's like a big event, they, Montreal only happened because people started getting really excited for Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns and they had to make it. And it was, it was Canada. So now that they're kind of settling back into, into the States doing our thing, everything's normal again. I don't know how quickly they're going to do live media coverage for those events, but we'll see. Could be wrong. Yeah. Well, if, if they are there and they want to do, and they do media and you know, I get my three minutes with these wrestlers instead of asking, how do you feel about your match this week? I'm going to just read a John Cena quote and just say thoughts and see, see what kind of answer I get from them. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Uh, what else is going on here? Do you want to talk? Well, let's talk about the John Cena promo. Okay. What did you think about that? I, I he comes out, John Cena does, and he kind of goes off the cuff and, and does his 2008 Monday Night Raw in London promo where he says, we're going to bring WrestleMania to London. And he gets the crowd rah-rah and out comes Grayson Walla. And he uh, cuts a promo on, on John Cena, basically saying, one day you'll make it and we'll have a match in Australia at WrestleMania. And I kind of laughed to myself and said, Haha, these are two places that will not get a WrestleMania anytime <laughs> soon. Uh, and... That was the that was it, and then and, and then they got a little physical, which was good. That's good for Grayson Waller. Means that uh, he's cleared to compete soon. Uh, would love to watch him in the ring on main on a main roster show. Uh, yeah, but otherwise, it went long. Um, kind of sucks for that. I have some opinions on that. But what do you think of the the content uh, itself? And then we can kind of break it down a little bit with John Cena and Grayson Waller. I love in my head. In my head canon, because Triple H is like, oh, he put me in a bad position here saying this stuff. And like, who knows if London's going to get WrestleMania? We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. But I love in my head canon that John Cena just done filming whatever he was going to film, whatever he was doing. He just walked backstage at the O2 Arena in full John Cena regalia, as he's one to do. And 
he just decided to walk past everybody. He told the production guys, hey, hit my music. And then he just goes out there and he just starts shooting on the backstage politics of the London crowd that they don't believe you. They think you try to take over the shows. They don't like that you make it about yourself. It's like, hey, let's make some noise for WrestleMania coming to London. Nobody told him to do any of this. They didn't know that they didn't know that John Cena was going to be there. He's just driving around, driving in London, knew they had a show. He's like, I'm just going to show up. I'm going to go out there and say what I want to say. I'm not going to say anything about Austin Theory. The last time you saw me was this terrible match against Austin Theory, who they've done nothing with ever since then. I'm not going to address that at all. We're going to act like that didn't happen, which rules even further. I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to tell the London crowd, you deserve a WrestleMania, and I'm going to get you to make noise, and I'm going to force them to give you a WrestleMania rules. John Cena, friggin' rules. I loved all of this. Every single second of this. I loved it. So, <laughs> the rah-rah of it is fine. It was kind of cute in its own little way. Uh, I just... There were two things I didn't love. It was, the, it was the idea that John may have forced someone's hand. Uh, if, if it's true, and maybe Paul Levesque was just kind of messing around, and that's fine. Um, but there was that. And on top of it, uh, I, again, the segment goes long. A little too long. And then he he took away from, from the rest of the roster's matches. And that's, what's really frustrating to me is that for John Cena, who was like super duper megastar and it's fine. Um, I, I would love for him to maybe have the respect to curtail his time and understand to hit his marks. John doesn't always do that. He's never been great at that, but showing some, some ridiculous, like, I don't know. Just show some some respect for the rest of the roster, for the rest of the locker room, because it shaved off ten minutes from two other matches, and that's a lot of storytelling. Those five minutes, then that for for two matches that were quite important to the card, right? The you had the the world heavyweight championship match, and then I don't think they cut the bloodline, but it cuts uh, the women's money in the bank at least. So it felt weird, and, and and that's the one thing that kind of upset me was that it was just the segment just ran too long. There was just too much in between. I get that the crowd is excited to see John Cena, and they should be. I get it. Uh, they're they're they've made him the modern day Hogan for their company. Understandable, uh, as long as John Cena doesn't say anything <laughs> anywhere close to what I said past. But you know, and he gets cutesy with his with his TikTok uh, viral TikTok where he's telling someone, you know, just trying to have fun with my friends. Uh, sure, okay, whatever. I I got it. Ten of us probably understood it. Uh, but yeah, that was um, that was my general feeling. Was just like you went over by a large margin, and you probably could have handled that better. But it kind of shows that you didn't care. To me, maybe, maybe these other people on the roster should get as over as John Cena, and then they can go over their time as well. How about that, Joel? How about these other people reach the heights? that the great John Cena has reached and then it won't be an issue. But when you're John Cena, you go out there and you do what you want is the crowds making the noise. They should have just cut the entire Cody and Dominic match off the show. That would have saved everybody a lot of time and hassle. If I'm being honest, because that match felt very unnecessary and you know, Cody won good for him. We got no Brock Lesnar appearance, but I, I didn't need that match really at all. And that was fine. 
if you want to call it that, I give it a star and a half. My star ratings are very important. Please take them very, very super serious. I would very much appreciate if they are uh, super serious and you took them as such. It is unfortunate that he cut uh, the the World Heavyweight title match because that match felt like it could have used a little bit more time. It didn't feel like it really got out of second gear. Uh, the Women's Money in the Bank match I thought was was good. I didn't even notice that if it, that anything got cut off of that, that it, it felt short or anything like that because um, it was still it was still a good match. But look, man, let, let's let's talk about the actual content of John Cena's promo here. He's bringing WrestleMania to London. Is he, <laughs> is he actually bringing WrestleMania to London, or was this, or was this like, hey, we know there's a big event in London in like less than two months, and they're doing sixty five thousand at least right now, and they might end up doing more by the time the show rolls around. We want to top that, so it's not the biggest event in London history. But the only way we can do it is if like you kind of make a huge bit because that's what it comes down to with WrestleMania now, right? It's not like, oh, we're going to pick this city because we think it'd be great. We're going to pick this city because we think it's going to be great. It's who's going to pay us the most money to bring the show here. So that's what it felt like John was doing was like, hey, London, tell, tell, the, tell the government, tell the queen, pay up. I know what the queen's the doing. The queen's dead, buddy. The queen is dead. The, the princess, king. then. The king. Do they have a king now? They have a king now. Oh, I can't keep up with London monarchy. Is it a monarchy? Uh, I think it's a patriarchy now. Oh. I don't know. Look, man, <laughs> if you ain't in America, I don't know your politics. I don't know where you're located. I'm a very ignorant American when it comes to this stuff. That's okay, amazing. so the king, pay the king, not the king of kings, but pay the king, tell the king to pay up to bring WrestleMania to London. So amazing. <laughs> this entire discourse just, just fantastic. <laughs> I am, first of all, yes, absolutely. The, the all in stuff plays into this 100%. Shout out to Louis in the chat saying King Cuerno the only king I recognize. <laughs> I get it. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Five years ago, uh, John, John, um, Jonathan Coachman was, was talking about his word of the day when he was, you know, on WWE raw commentary and people hated it, but I'm going to bring it back for a second. Here's your word of the day. I'm just doing it this once uh, on in the weeds. Your word of the day is site fees. That's two, but uh, site, what are site fees? Well, that's exactly what Jeremy's talking about. It is the, it is the, the, the country or the municipality, whatever it is, ponying up to get the venue, to get the gig, to get the show. And we see a lot of that now with WWE. Uh, sometimes it's strategic. Sometimes it's very much money-based. Saudi Arabia, very much money-based. For them, they consider it strategic. Not the, the Saudis. They consider it strategic. For WWE, they're just like, ding, 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 ding. And I get it. It's a, it's a giant casino. For, you know, London last night, or two nights ago, I should say, that ended up paying dividends because they made the, that was the highest grossing event in arena an arena. Yeah. yeah, in an arena in WWE history, which is wild to think about. Um, there have been squillions of events in wwe history in the arenas so yeah and, and again there's 
there are a lot of talking points of that. There's inflation and there is, you know, there, there's, there's inflation. That's really the big one. <laughs> so I had others, but now they're gone. So inflation plays a big role. Um, but do they come back for a stadium show? I don't see why not. They were asking, you know, if you subscribe to FIFA Select, Sean talked about it. There was there was a, a questionnaire going around, and they were like, "Where where would you like to see one of these events?" And it was every event, every major event except for WrestleMania. Could that be them trying to hint at something? I think it's more likely that they're like hmm, SummerSlam. It would be a good time of year. You could do it, you know, off the back of SummerSlam '92. We talk about the the influence of the time, 1992, and and the big event and the amount of people who came around, and they can beat whatever AEW is going to bring in if they bring in over 80,000, whatever the number is. Um, if they if they say we can tout and beat that, they'll be all about it. So uh, again, the the John Cena promo was a really good raw raw promo. I am. I'm wondering how it's going to feel in a year's time. And again, people will have forgotten it by then probably, but like someone who digs this up is going to be like, wait a minute, John Cena promised us a WrestleMania. Why isn't I, why isn't London getting the WrestleMania that I was promised by John Cena? And then someone's going to find the 2008 raw promo. And they'll be like, Oh, that's why. Cause we've done this before. 15 well, years. Ago. Let's talk about this logistically. Jordan. Sure. Can they do two nights? WrestleMania, London. I mean, can they do it? Like, kind of, yes. But, you know, they got to take all the, the equipment over there. They got to set it all up. They, they have to do a SmackDown somewhere over there. They got to do a Raw somewhere over there. The time difference as well. I mean, you watch SmackDown at, at 3 o'clock because uh, it aired on BT Sports. And then it aired live on, live, uh, on Fox at 8. Money in the Bank aired at 3 o'clock live not no quotes there live. <laughs> yeah that was actually live um like so is that what they do like are they really gonna have like hey we're gonna have i guess smackdown would still air whenever it's going to air um but like hey we're gonna have wrestlemania at three in the afternoon so it's still eight o'clock for for the live fan like is that that's well, what i mean yeah. by like logistically hell yeah can they that. do that yes they can do that it's they do it for the Saudi shows. It's the same thing. They start at noon. This is WrestleMania, though. Oh come on! Forget about the think about the amount of money that WWE gets. They get more out of a Saudi show than they do out of a WrestleMania. The time will not matter. People already have their Peacock subscriptions at this point, so they're going to watch it at one point anyway. If it's live, amazing. Honestly, I'm happier when wrestling's on in the afternoon. I think most people are. Definitely people who cover wrestling are happier when it's in the afternoon. Uh, The UK crowd is going to get it at a normal time for them, and we're just going to get a little earlier. And those who don't watch it, I didn't watch all of Money in the Bank live. I caught it in, dri- in dribs and drabs. And then I went back at eight o'clock after I put my kid down for the night. And I, and I watched the pieces that I missed and I got the important bits back in my brain as to like, you know, different finishes and promos and things like that. So I think having it earlier is in a lot of ways a benefit, at least here back home. And how many times have we heard from, you know, our friends in, in, other countries outside of North America who are like, this is great. You know, I can watch wrestling at a normal hour. This is like watching a new Japan show for them. 
It's, it starts at a regular time. It doesn't start at three in the morning like it would for us. Uh, this is this is good. I see Naren in the chat who's going to join us shortly saying we won't forget about John Cena in the WrestleMania promo. We're going to ask about that. <laughs> okay. Are they, but do they get like the media coverage that they want yeah, out of it? Yes. Mm. Leading up to it, absolutely. Coming out of it, probably. Yeah. It's two, it's still two nights and it's a weekend show anyway. So it's not like, you know, it's not like media desks are busy that night there's not much going on like it's the coverage is the same it's just going to happen at a shifted pace if anything they're going to get it in the middle of the dinner hour which is better than the middle of the night well they're they're not going to get it throughout the day in america is what i'm talking about like the the american coverage how much how much american coverage are they going to get compared to if the show was actually in america like money in the bank coverage was like fine but you know wrestlemania different different beasts they got everybody they got these people on like fallon they have these people on all the late night talk shows the morning shows They're, they do all the stuff with espn are are you know are the american television companies are the american um just wrestling media i know we had some people like sean was over there and everything and i know people are traveling over there to, to all info but like are our website's going to be sending people over there like they would for, for WrestleMania. That's or, or like, they like, like that, that cost. We don't make all that much. I'll <laughs> that up does it really, does it really matter? Does it really? I think it matter? does. I think that the coverage of the event itself is more important than, interviewing a few wrestlers which by the way you can do remotely wwe loves we talked about this on the show they love getting a zoom room for an hour and being like you get 15 you get 15 you get 15, like doing that and they would they would easily do that with people who don't make the trek um there are also plenty of plenty of people who make it over from affiliates you know steve steve fall was all over that and he's part of an affiliate with nbc isn't he so like he's got there, there are different people who will represent different uh publications or different different media entities will it be bigger in the uk of course it will that's just the nature of local same thing with with the uh, coming to canada you don't have as many u.s based publications coming over because you got you know they, they they don't want to do it or it's not worth it to them but they'll still cover it there's it's still there or they'll still send one or two people just not as many as before uh, yeah i just i don't see it as such a big deal that the media is not going to be there live for the entirety of it can they do spn yeah of course they can do it remotely that's the the joys of having the internet these days right uh you can go out and do these interviews it's different they like doing that car wash stuff with a lot of these networks and and affiliates and stuff i'm not saying like it's not impossible i'm just throwing out like logistic uh hurdles that, that i'm sure they're thinking of and they're like is this worth it? And by the way, the answer is, yeah, it's worth it if London pays us a ton of money. And that's obviously what it comes down to in the end anyway. If London ain't going to pay what Minnesota is going to pay for WrestleMania, then London ain't getting WrestleMania. I don't care how loud the crowd was. like That's just how it works. I'm just throwing logistic stuff out there because John Cena is out there cutting shoot promos trying to bring WrestleMania to London. Jeremy, what's the word of the day again? Uh, inflation? No, you dick. Sight fiends. <laughs> dick. <laughs> Pay the man and you get the fare. You get the gang. It's it's just the way that it is. And you know what? And it works for WWE because guess what? Record profit, record revenue. That's just 
what happens in their business. You can feel a certain way about it. That's fine. Guess what? You're, unless you have stock, your opinion doesn't matter. That's just, that's just it when it comes to how much they are or not making. Uh, so going to London, yeah, it would be a success. I was also thinking, how many times have they flown people across the country to go do Good Morning America or some shit? And that's a five-hour flight back and forth. You don't think they would add, tack on an extra three hours to go do something in New York and then fly them back to London? They'd do it in a heartbeat. They would do it. I mean, they, they honestly might. They honestly might. Like, I, I don't, you know, they're, they're going to do what they do to to promote these shows. I do think the coverage would certainly be down in America because you're just going to have less, less coverage in, in, in America. You're just not going to have as many people going to cover it, uh, flying from America to England or just talent around America. Still like you just, it just won't happen that way. But like, man, if London pays enough money, they, they will get it. That is how, how this works because the word of the day is inflatables. So close. You almost right. had it. I, I thought I did have it. No, that wasn't it. Oh, oh. Sorry. Uh, By the way, Grayson uh, Waller, I tweeted this way ahead of Austin Theory. Way ahead. Austin Theory got cooked by my guy John Cena in those promos. Grayson Waller stood up to him. He, he hit him, which is what Austin Theory should have done. Everything they did with Waller is exactly what they should have done with Theory. And... You know, they didn't. And look what Austin Theory's done since WrestleMania. John Cena was completely right about him, by the way. And Grayson Waller, I'm way more interested in him. I know we got laid out and everything. Way more interested in what Waller does moving forward. Because he he was there with Cena. Like, he he had a good quip with the crowd, the wanker thing. He's like, I don't need to do that. That was, that was a nice little witty on the spot thing right there. So, like, Waller's so much better in this spot that theory go and put the u.s title on him so we can rename it the australian title and let's go i love someone in the chat saying put dom on today you cowards as in the tv show today that would be yeah i need it i need it i need it in my heart i need it in my soul i need it just like dom lost to cody Rhodes. okay (laughs) yeah again the rumble someone said in the chat do a rumble in, in in the uk let's do it again you build to these moments you know, and I know that the UK, it's been a long time. It's been a long time since they've had a legitimate pay-per-view in, or PLE in this case in the UK. And they, they showed up, they showed out. It was great. The atmosphere was, was fantastic. Does that translate to a larger event? Yeah, it does. And it should, uh, the site fees word of the day, by the way, should be part of the, I'm just reminding you in case you forget, uh, the site fees should be part of the next big event that they bring in. And I'm sure they're going to be pushing for it because how easy is it going to be for WWE to, to go to wherever in the UK and be like, look at all these fans. They're losing their minds for this stuff. They want to come out. They want to spend their money. They want you to, to spend money on there. Your tourism is going to go up. Da, 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 da. John Cena did something actually really smart. While he may have put everyone in WWE behind the eight ball about a WrestleMania, he also got a lot of people talking about the potential of bringing just another big PLE event and then whipping the crowd to a frenzy, which WWE can then turn and use as the option to get a, a, a country or a city to bring WWE to their town for a major event. It may not be WrestleMania, but if it's SummerSlam, if it's Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, whatever it is, not WrestleMania, 
I still think the UK is going to turn out in droves. And maybe what John Cena did was masterful because WrestleMania as a brand has a huge name. So it kind of works. But of course, people in wrestling sometimes get really attached to what someone says or what's like word for word. And then that's it. So I don't know how it's going to play out in the long term. But I feel like if WWE says, hey, we're bringing the Royal Rumble to this stadium in the UK that holds 50,000 people, they'll do it. Worked with Clash of the Castle, didn't it? They're going to bring a show, whether it's Rumble, whether it's SummerSlam, whether it's Wembley Whammo. That was awful name um no matter <laughs> i couldn't think of anything on the spot honestly wembley whammo yeah. wembley whammo everybody wwe wembley whammo wwe ww um no matter what it is let's say aew does sixty five thousand four hundred sixty one fans that's the announce attendance right 65,461 WWE Wembley Whammo is doing 65,462 fans would <laughs> price is right this thing and just announce one more person than whatever AEW announces. And we're here now with the 64,000, whatever the hell, the, the one person. How do you feel knowing that you beat AEW? <laughs> oh, pretty good there, bud. <laughs> I hope it's an American. Like, I flew over here just for Wembley Whammo to beat AEW. <laughs> they would, too. They would absolutely find the only American draped in, like, an American flag. Just obnoxious American. Where's all the double-decker buses? <laughs> god does naren still want to join us because now i feel like she might not (laughs) we've been obnoxious jerks (laughs) we have the money in the bank winners to talk about you were right on damian priest joel pearl go ahead and brag if you would like well no there's nothing really to brag about i kind of said it in a tweet i was like they didn't put him in the parade of challengers from week after week he was just kind of kept dormant and he won He kept taking L's on Raw every week, and that's one thing that they typically do with the Money in the Bank briefcase winners. They turn them from losers to winners to losers to winners again. That's the arc of their stories. But the the larger story here is actually Judgment Day versus Seth Rollins. It's continued to be so, and it will continue to be so now with the Money in the Bank being added as an extra added feature to the story, if you will. It's not a bug. It's a feature. I had to go back and forth with Kate last night about this. L.A. Knight holding the briefcase never really does anything for L.A. Knight. I get that he's over. He's already a fan favorite. He's probably going to win the U.S. championship. He doesn't need the stupid briefcase. He doesn't. He's he's already good enough that he doesn't need the Money in the Bank briefcase, which to me is a crutch. Take that as you will. Does Damien Priest need a crutch? It, it's going to help in this case, but L.A. Knight just never made much sense to me in terms of why he has the briefcase he's teflon his his every interaction that la knight has right now is i'm gonna talk back at you and i'm everything rolls off my back nothing affects me someone needs to say something that affects him and pisses him off i need that edge to his character because right now he is just like 
he's great and I love him. And I talked, I've been talking about him for years of, you know, he's so easy to get, he's so easy to enjoy, but his character on WWE television, I need something more than just guy who says, yeah, has a good match and doesn't get affected by anything. So that's why, that's why LA Knight didn't make sense to me. And you and I already talked about the Logan Paul thing and why some people felt a certain way, but it ultimately didn't make sense to carry it out with that mindset. Um, so yeah, give me, give me your thoughts there. LA Knight should have won simply because sometimes you'd have to actually listen to the audience. The audience wanted LA Knight. They did with the EO Sky. People were wanting EO so badly, and they did that. I don't think you need to pay attention to the audience 100% of the time. And this was a a time when they did the, to me at least, they did the right thing. Where EO got it, people were excited about that. Damian Priest gets it, now you got more of a story to tell. They don't pay attention to the audience like 20% of the time. Are you kidding me? Um, Now, I'm I'm actually with you. Damian Priest, from a storytelling perspective, did make more sense than than la night la night would have been great would have been a big reaction you could have easily done a story with la night because he is so over and he is so charismatic and he does have a connection with the audience if you can't figure out a story for that you have five million writers you can you need to fire one of them you can fire all five million of them if you can't figure out how to tell a story with la night and having that briefcase. Uh, but Damian Priest, there is some story there, obviously, with Judgment Day stuff and, and with Seth and all of those losses and everything like that. Um, and then as far as EO goes, like, yeah, that's a that's a good call. And I very much look forward to Bailey taking all the credit, which she's kind of already doing in the press conference, but Bailey taking all the credit, trying to cash in the the briefcase for EO, which I imagine will happen at some point, saying it's our briefcase. And things. I think Bailey's going to do uh, a good chunk of the heavy lifting here with EO Sky because EO, there's the obvious language barrier there. And EO's great, mind you. Crowd still pops when, when she when she hits her lines and stuff. But Bailey can just she connects better with with talking because she's English, uh, and so it's going to be easier for her to get stuff across and get stuff over. So I think she's going to do some heavy lifting when it comes to EO having the briefcase. I'm look. I'm very much looking forward to those segments, though. It's going to be great. Yeah, and you hit it on the head. She's uh, the 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 English for some people is you know it's not good enough. I don't know what, I don't know what that really means, but when she does hit those lines, man, people pop. They really do enjoy it because there's a good setup there. And you're right, Bailey will do the bulk of the talking and probably the bulk of the lifting. She did it at the press conference uh, after the event, and it's entertaining. And I, I think that if we end up with a Bailey EO match or some sort of miscommunication that maybe leads to EO not successfully cashing in. There's that on the table as well. There's again, storytelling exists with this briefcase as well. Uh, She's already held it longer than the last four or five briefcase holders, which is nice, but uh, EO has a lot of opportunity here and a lot of upside. So I'm looking forward to how they tell this story. And I think they might wait a little bit until Dakota Kai is back from injury to, uh, play out the damage control factor because she's she is going to be a part of this whole thing she has to be i agree but man dakota's acl like that's that's a little while like she might even be back until like rumble time like you can still bring her back as a character yeah that's fair she's off crutches uh you know she's she's tweeted about that so yeah she could still come back as a as a television character i just don't know how physical she'll be able to get someone replied she's not english she's american she speaks English. Did, did I say she's English? I meant she spoke 
English. <laughs> I think I think we all understood. I just love that someone said that in the chat. <laughs> anyway, do you want to introduce our next guest? Why why am I doing the introductions today, Joel? This is your responsibility. I know, but you're really good at this. No, I'm not. I don't I don't yeah. like doing them. Introduce introduce this guest. We're just going to argue I over over the introduction. All right. Uh, she was on the scene for WWE Money in the Bank. Uh, she is from the the Daily Mirror. She is Naren Flanders joining us on the show. Naren, how you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you guys doing? Doing, doing well. Thank you for joining us the show. Thank you for joining us the show. See, I can't speak. Yeah, thank you for joining us on the show well, today. Really well. I yeah. think it's all downhill from here. Um, I also feel like I'm going to help dial back the British cliches, which is quite good going, bearing in mind I actually am British. So we can <laughs> dial back the taxis, dial back the buses. We'll all be fine. Uh, what if we want to talk more about the buses? <laughs> the, the... Actually, you know, we do like a bus in England, but yes. I they mean, have been shoehorned everywhere. Every poster that you see for Money in the Bank, there's a bus in it. See, Thing. they did media on the buses too, didn't they? They, I, I was not big enough to get invited into the bus. I would oh. have you know, um, but it's okay. It's fine. I'll get over it. I'm here. Probably, this is way better than being on a bus, right? It sure. was probably just Alex McCarthy on the bus. It was just him, his own personal thing that he got to be go fair. He is a bus. big name on British wrestling circles. So, you know, he basically has his own bus. That's how it he's, works. You know, he, he's the he's, worst. <laughs> Alex McCarthy's the worst. Can't Outrageous. Stand <laughs> terrible. Terrible. It's already gone downhill. Look, we're one minute in. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Nana, e easy question first off the bat just overall experience at money in the bank and overall thoughts on the show i absolutely loved it um i always was gonna though i mean i was 11 when SummerSlam 92 happened my parents took me and i will tell anyone that listens that the reason i am a 40 year old woman that still watches wrestling is because i fell in love with it then like it was just a formative experience of my childhood I loved everything about it, you know, the, and I had the merch and all that kind of crap as well. Everything was wonderful. Um, so I have been waiting a long time for this and I'm sorry, but the uh, the little pay-per-views that they tried to pitch in between SummerSlam 92 and here, they don't count. They're not the same. This, this is what we were waiting for. This is what we got. And they did it in pretty good style. I have a few little kind of minor moans, but overall very happy. I am interested in those minor moans. Let's hear about that. Wow, let's start with a negative. We're going well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my, my main thing, I think, actually, and maybe it is just poor timing because I think Clash at the Castle had the same thing because they, they pretty much shut down NXT UK two weeks before Clash at the Castle happened. And I think the same with here. The, the thing that would be my moon on a stick wish list thing would be more British and Irish talent on these cards. I think that's the one thing that we really missed out on. Um, I'm happy, you know, we, we did have some big names and that was great and it was good Butch being in the ladder match. But bear in mind, Seamus and Ridge Holland were on SmackDown. They kind of got to come in and be glamorous assistants um, when Butch went in. But they went around pretty deadly, were also on SmackDown. You have loads of people that came up from NXT, like JD McDonough, um, Alba and Isla, people like that didn't even get a look in. Um, and I think that's a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, and if I had if I had one thing that I would say, that would be my my wish list would be a bit more kind of British talent and Irish talent getting a, a chance to to kind of shine in front of the hometown crowd. 
you asked about NXT Europe in the in the press conference, and Triple H yeah. was like, "Oh, the merger has kind of slowed things down." You're kind of put on the spot as Triple H looked for a, a female reporter uh, there. Is it was all guys and there? It was quite impressive though, because what had happened was I had pretty much lost my shit and shouted myself hoarse. So <laughs> when we went in. They were like, where do you want to sit? And I was like, I'm going to sit right at the back and not ask anything because I can barely speak. And then at the point where he was like, there must be a female journalist in here somewhere. And I looked around and was like, oh, there's not actually that many. Damn. (laughs) In fact, I think it might just be me. And I'm right here. So, of course, then I had to say something. But it was also the longest question in the world. And I was very croaky. So, you know, it went well. (laughs) You got an answer out of them. I mean, sometimes you don't don't get any type of answer. Well, it's that funny thing, though, because I, I don't know if it's a British thing, but people were like, yeah, you really put him on the spot with that question. And I was like, I was trying to be polite. I didn't think I was being particularly, you know, like this wasn't Watergate or anything. I was just like, what's <laughs> happening with my NXT Europe, please? Where where are my guys? Like, this is what we want. So, the- oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I was like, well, he said the merger was going to to slow things down, and um, you know, that's that's the answer we we got out of things. Do so, I'll ask you now. Do you believe him? Do you think we're getting NXT Europe by the end of 2023? I'm not sure we're getting it by the end of 2023. Um, I I would like to think it's still on the table. I think if nothing else, my reading of the situation is they know there is money to be made from all of these different territories or from Puerto Rico from Canada from us from Australia if they can get the logistics of getting out there they've got the money for it it makes sense for them to have bases where they are finding talent nurturing talent and and making them in the mold that they want them to be so I think NXT Europe is a definite possibility I'd just like it to be quicker I'm an impatient woman basically have you been following uh, the the British independence for a while, or are you are you mostly just WWE centric in your family? Mainly WWE centric, but that is mostly because right now I have kids and a full time job and a limited amount of time. So I keep up with AEW a little bit, um, and I've done I've seen a few progress shows in my time and stuff like that. But the indies in the UK are not my specialist subject, unfortunately. Gotcha. I, I asked basically because you had mentioned the development of, of British talent you had to mention mm-hmm. NXT UK. And I don't think a lot of people would have thought about that. Uh, and it, that's why I really enjoyed the question that you asked Triple H. I have a real soft spot for NXT UK generally. I think um, I think they were doing really good stuff and they were really exciting. And I think what people don't necessarily um, really recognize is so just before lockdown, I live in a little town just outside of London. Um, in Essex, uh, which incidentally is where the Pretty Deadly Boys, or one of them, is from. Um, And it's a very small town near a bunch of other really small towns. Just before COVID, I went to an NXT UK show in one of those, um, basically, we call them leisure centres. I don't know if they're the same thing for you. It's like where basically kids go to learn to swim. Everything smells of chlorine and disappointment. You know, it's just all a bit cruddy. You wouldn't want to go there unless you had a real reason to be there, right? You know, those kind of places. They did an NXT UK show there where we saw Imperium. We saw Rhea Ripley. We saw, who else was on the card that night? We had Moustache Mountain. um, And I think then Pete Dunn might have been on there as well. 
Um, definitely Tyler Bate was like in this teeny tiny leisure center like you know it was like a school gym like we weren't sitting on chairs we were sitting on like little benches that they'd rolled out for us all to sit on while we watched it and they were incredible and you just think like a little bit kind of further on on all of these people have gone from that to main roster excellence and that's what NXT UK was and fed into NXT Maine and all of that. Like, it's so important and it deserves so much more love and respect than anyone ever gave it, I think. And this is my hill I will die on, basically. <laughs> I get it. I really do. And this is coming from a Canadian who, you know, shouts out from the rooftops about Canadian indies. And we've had wrestlers on here talk about, you know, a similar, similar mindset. Uh, before Jeremy yeah. gets to his next question, I got to ask, DDP yoga instructor. Yes, I am. And I'm very proud of it. I, um, although I'm like, where have you got that from? Have you seen the embarrassing video? Um, no, I, now I'm going to look uh, for now it. I've mentioned the embarrassing video. That's worse. No, I used to be, when I had my kids and even before I had my kids, I was very overweight. Um, and I basically went to DDP because I've been a wrestling fan all this time. And I was like, oh, I need to do some weight. And then he came over to do a workshop thing. And I thought, well, I'm going to suck at yoga. Of course I am, because I can barely like walk, much less like stand on one leg and do yoga shit. But, you know, I'm intrigued to meet him. It'll be fun. And I'll have a funny story about how I fell over and landed on my ass in front of Dallas Page, right? Um, and I went and I fell in love with it. And I ended up, I mean, I've put some on because, you know, it was COVID. We were all drink eating and drinking at home, right? Um, but I lost about 100 pounds in the end. Um, and my, I'm much fitter and all of that sort of stuff. And then I ended up doing the qualification and now I teach other people. And I love it. I really do. Like it's not, it, I like to call it shouty, grout, shouty, grunty, punchy yoga. And that's what everyone needs in yoga. None of this like, you know, sitting, staring at the ground, thinking about the nature of life. Like it's shouty, grunty yoga. So I can recommend. That's yeah, amazing. I love it too. You should yeah. be proud of that. That's first of all, hundred pounds. That's, that's no easy yeah. task. And on top of that, to, to, Get the certification. That's a big deal. Congratulations. Seriously. That's Thank amazing. you so much. That's lovely. Do you take it up for the touchdown, the diamond, and then bring you it? You see, this is the thing. Everyone goes, oh, I've, I've vaguely heard of it. Yeah. If you're a wrestling fan and you've been around long enough, you've checked out those videos. Of course. Oh, yeah. I used to do DDP yoga. And then I had kids of my own. And I didn't got time for that no more. Yeah. Just the yeah. multiple running around that that keeps me yeah, that's, but what that's keeps me why shape. i took it up because i couldn't after i had my second baby like i couldn't lift him like my back was completely buggered so i was like i need to do something and that's what i did so um yeah i love it it is great if you've not checked out tdp yoga everyone should uh check it out if you want to get into that sort of thing but it will keep you fit and i know a bunch of wrestlers swear by it uh, and everything yeah. as well uh circling back to money in the bank. What we were Let's actually talk talking about. Yes. <laughs> now the DDP yoga stuff was a was a nice little side mission there. I loved it. Um, the John Cena promo. You're in the chat. You won't forget yes. when he everything he said in what, 2008. Now he comes out here and he says WrestleMania coming to London. I don't want you to call John Cena a liar, but how much is Do John you know Cena what? Lying? I <laughs> was I was all in for it. I lost my mind when he came out. I was giddy. But the thing that made me laugh about all of it is, you know, if you are a, a WWE fan who's been coming to these shows for years and years and years, you know, what used to happen was you go to these fans and like we, we love a chant. We love a shout in England. Like we really do. So these kind of shows were always mainly children and me 
going, let's go, Cena. And then everyone else screaming, Cena sucks, like the whole time. That's what you do, right? That's the way of the world. Like, he looked completely mind blown when he came out and we were all like, it's him, hooray, yay. Because that is the only time he has ever had that response in England. And it might only, it might be the only time ever again. Um, but yeah, I I think it's interesting. I think, I mean, I heard what you guys were talking about it and largely agree with you. I But my my take on it, I think, is it will depend very much on what happens with AEW later in the summer. Because I think if AEW is a success, there's more chance that they will pull the button on a WrestleMania London. Because, yeah, you know what? Yeah, you had Wembley Stadium, big whoop. We're doing Wembley Stadium for two nights and it's going to be bigger, better than anything you could ever imagine. So I think British wrestling fans generally are excited about AEW coming to London. I think it's a big deal. Lots of people watch it that don't watch WWE because it's free to air in the UK. So you can watch it without paying for the network or anything else. But even if you're a WWE fan, I think you might have a bit of an interest in it going well, because I think if it goes well, there's more chance this might come to fruition. But that said, the uh, the London government is never going to pay any money for anything. So if that's what we're <laughs> holding out for, then, you know, we've probably got more chance of WrestleMania Paris and we'll all get the train over. <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea. They're going to do the Eiffel Tower as the A's. It's going to be To great. be fair, you could do the Stade de France. And it. what would be good about it is that the one perk of somewhere over this side is think of all the European fans that would, would go to that. Like, it would do very, very well, I think. Um, I guess the the issue is there are logistic issues for the UK anyway with France you've got it's a little bit further it's also French so you've got a language thing that makes it all a little bit trickier um so maybe it's less likely but I wouldn't say it was off the table but yeah basically very excited by John Cena and then went into the press conference and was like well they've dialed that back quite a lot haven't they from there (laughs) so we will see but I remain optimistic enjoy the two-night Royal Rumble from Wembley Stadium do you know what? I have a soft spot for Rumble. I'm okay with that. Like, you know, it's a good show, isn't it? Like, you know, and if you gave me two nights, like, I really wouldn't grumble. Fair enough. Uh, did you attend SmackDown as well? Yes. You did. Yeah. Uh, was there anything notable? Was there anything that really jumped out to you from this particular SmackDown than others maybe you watch or have seen in the past? It was um, it, it was kind of it was a good smackdown. I think the crowd were very excited about just the, the atmosphere. The whole weekend was great. I think the crowd turned up on Friday ready to really rock with it, um, which helped kind of lift it because it's always a bit hard, isn't it? Because you always know like the the smackdown before a big show is always going to be the go home show where basically nothing much is going to change, nothing much is going to happen, and basically they're just praying no one gets injured, right? So it can sometimes be a bit of a damp squib. Um, But yeah, it was exciting. I think what I found interesting was people, I I think there's definitely a British sensibility to some of the people that we like that you guys maybe don't rate so much or some of the people that you really like that we're less keen on. And I was surprised at Charlotte did not get a very warm reception, which surprised me. I don't know. Is that a feeling that you guys get your side of the pond as well? Like you got to blame Russell talk for that. I really, I really. Is that what's done it? You've ruined everything. Russell talk did that. Uh, no, I'm not. It's I, I. I think that the ardent wrestling fan, the hardcore wrestling fan, have it in their minds that Charlotte ruins everything. And my feeling is that a lot of American or just North American wrestling fans 
are not as online as others might be who are attending these shows. And as a result, they, again, I, I just to put this in the AW world for a second, they're going to be in Regina, Saskatchewan for AW Collision next week. And I yeah. said, this is the true test of how CM Punk is seen outside of major markets like Chicago and Toronto and so on and so forth. Yeah. Similar situation. You know, I, I would have been surprised if John Cena showed up in Toronto and wasn't booed, but that's mm. what happened in London. So Again, the, the Charlotte kind of comparison there, I, I do think kind of the hardcore wrestling fans who maybe are in the UK, maybe already have it in their head that like Charlotte ruins everything or they like to boo her because she's such a better heel. Yeah, no, she absolutely is that. But but I'm not sure that they were necessarily booing her. I think everyone was just a bit like, oh, you're back. OK, like it, it was kind of because that's the thing, isn't it? I've I've spoken to a few people in the the run up to Money in the Bank. Um, LA Knight and Bailey particularly were talking about it because we are known as crowds who are a little bit contrary I think it's fair to say like we like our people and we will just you know we're also very sarcastic and therefore if we like you that usually means we'll give you shit like that it's kind of a love thing um oh am I allowed to swear because I think I've been swearing quite fulsomely. hell yeah you're good (laughs) okay we're all good um but yeah so I I think it I think sometimes it doesn't matter whether you're booing or cheering, but what was notable about the Charlotte match is people were just like, okay. Um, but the other side of it is I, I think Seamus got a really great reaction, but I think it's an oversight that he wasn't on the Money in the Bank card somewhere. I know it was a stacked card. I know in hindsight they had to keep a big chunk of the space for John Cena. But at the same time, like, you know, Seamus came out of Clash at the Castle with Gunther in, with basically, I would argue, match of the year, pretty much. So to go from that to we're in London, everybody loves him, everyone wants to see him, and he's on SmackDown and that's your lot, felt like a bit of an oversight. But the other side of that was it made SmackDown special. SmackDown was more than just a go-home show. There was some really good stuff on there. Being part of the the media for these events, Joel Pearl was on here earlier. I don't know if you saw it burying media members for Come wearing. On. I mean, I didn't were. see that. I see. I thought he seemed like such a nice man, but that was clear. No, absolutely not. People, wow. Oh. Yeah, people people think Joel Pearl is nice because he's Canadian. It's like, oh, all the Canadians. Do you know what? That's what it is. Nice. When I logged on, I was like, oh, he seems friendly. And also, every Canadian I've ever met has been lovely. But now you, you are the exception that proves the rule. Look what you've done. Yeah, he sucks. He's the worst. Uh, I haven't even listened to criticism. (laughs) He was burying everybody in the media for wearing, you know, a WWE shirt or a WWE hat. When you are part of the these media events, I don't know how many you've been part of, but like, what are what's kind of your mindset and mentality when you when you have to do all this stuff? I, you will notice me. I in that press conference, I was wearing my Edge T-shirt. Um, but I was wearing my Edge t-shirt because as far as I was concerned, I had filed all my copy, done all my interviews, and me and my husband were going to lose our minds at, at Money in the Bank. So that was why I was skulking happily at the back going, well, I'm not going to be on camera and I'm not going to ask any questions and it doesn't matter. And then there you are with people going, Edge, Naz, really? That's like who your t-shirt choice was? Um, but generally, I try to to kind of turn up in a way that doesn't look very markish because it, it is a bit of a, it's a bit hard, isn't it? Like, we all love wrestling because I think it's fair to say, um, leap in if you think I'm wrong, but I, I think wrestling journalism is only really done by people who love wrestling. 
even if they don't love all of wrestling, they love part of it and might hate watch the rest. Like you're not doing this for the money and the fame and the adoration and you know the Pulitzer, are you? You're doing it because I'm doing so- it for the first thing that you mentioned. <laughs> none of it, but I'm trying. To make it, okay? But it is that thing, isn't it? Like everyone's doing it because they love it, and it's just trying to be professional and ask questions that still feel like questions. Although I was. Um, I was talking to someone about this actually at the press junket bit because I find the press junkets really hard because it's basically like wrestler speed dating. So you're in this room and they literally wheel them in and it's like, you've got three minutes, go. And then like there's a PR there with their phone kind of counting it down. And then at three minutes, they're like, and that's it. You're, you're done and you're off and, and you're waiting for the next person. I hate that because I usually, if I do like one of these Zoom call interview things, I have my question that I'm like, that's possibly the question that's going to turn the interview or piss off the PR. So that's my question that I get to at the end. So I've still got something, even if it all goes a bit pear-shaped, I'll be all right. I can write it out. But that's my, I've been talking to you for 15 minutes and now I'm going to slide in the question that you may or may not answer. I can't do that in three minutes. I can, I can work quick. I can't work that quick. Like it's, it's a hard job. Did you want to punch Alex McCarthy when he asked about Drew McIntyre? <laughs> no, I don't ever want to punch Alex McCarthy. I Why? have to say, like, I'm going to say something maybe a bit controversial now, but there are some really great people doing amazing wrestling writing in the UK. And two people who are getting it very mainstream are Alex McCarthy and Alistair McGeorge, who between them write for the Daily Mail and the Metro. And I don't want to punch either in their irritatingly enough they are thoroughly nice very professional really good guys who do great things so not them although he did get on the bus so maybe i'll kick him in the shins for the fact that he got on the bus there we go there we go that's your scoop like grudgingly (laughs) violent but not full aggression how about that that's fair go full violence (laughs) was sean rossap able to fit in over there like he he was bragging that he's like part british now and he he was actually he really was i managed to blunder into meeting him in a way that afterwards i was like oh god this probably looks a bit lame um because i walked in and they were like right all the people with the video cameras in the press junket you you've got a spot put your camera on the spot you stay there and then they were like press people go find a video camera to stand behind you you know your print like just stand behind the video camera you can kind of leap in between them so I walked into this room and I was just like you know video cameras as far as the eyes can see and I was looking there going there are a lot of guys here with video cameras none of whom I know and then there's one woman with a video camera right well clearly I'm gonna go and stand with that one woman so I went and I stood next to this lovely woman had a great chat turned out she was American it was all brilliant and then about 10 minutes later, her husband popped up and it was Sean Rossap. And you're like, oh, hi. So there he was. And um, I think the reason he fitted in so well is because his wife is just a wonderful woman, basically. So she, yes. Wonderful. She's a delight. She really she is. is. But the thing was, I was chatting away to her and having a lovely time. And then he popped up and I was like, oh, hi, who are you? What do you, who do you write for? What do you do? <laughs> and, and then he was like, you know, with the, because uh, we've all got our little labels with our things on it. His was kind of down by his shirt and he just kind of brushed it down. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm Sean Ross Sapp. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I, yeah, I know who you are. But his the, wife, the, lovely, lovely woman. We have She's a similar great. story for that because 
when I met Sean in 2019 in Toronto for SummerSlam, his wife was with him. And I ended up making nice and making friends with his wife while he was off talking to all the other fans. Her and I were just kind of chatting it up. And I was like, she is a lovely woman. She is very, very sweet. And yeah, so I'm pretty sure that she is the reason why I ended up uh, getting any work here on this website. (laughs) Oh, okay. So uh, that was going to, that's kind of, that's ruined my second question. Because I was like, you were saying you were having a nice chat with her. When you say that, were you chatting her up? No. no, (laughs) But clearly you weren't because you're now working for Fightful. So whatever it was, you stayed the right side of the line. Well done you. Plus I was, I I was about to get married at the time. And and, uh, no, I was very much making friends. (laughs) Okay. That sounds worse. Behind every... Behind every terrible journalist here at Fightful, like myself and Sean Rossap, is a great woman who puts up with us. And, and that's yeah. basically the moral of the story. Here. Yeah. Naren, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, any yeah, any closing comments? Let everybody know where, where they can find you at. Um, I am on Twitter at NK Flanders. And, and it is like the Simpsons character. I'm married into it. I had a surname no one could spell before. Now they can, but everyone thinks I'm the the female wife of Ned Flanders who got murdered. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Um, I write for the Daily Mirror and my London and lots of other different titles. Um, but yes, and this has been a pleasure. It's been really fun, guys. The pleasure Thank is all you. ours. Thank you. Yes, yes. Cool. Thank you very much for, for joining us again. This was a kind of a last minute. I mean, I messaged you yesterday to, to set this all up. So I appreciate you did, the you kind of short notice. You gave me the link six minutes ago to join. So, you oh, know, I felt I, like it was a little bit fly by the seat of the pants. Wow. I, I kind of do that with everybody. Because okay. I, I was a bit I, like, okay, has he ghosted me now? Like, do I, no, have, no, is no. it the thing? Like, do I have to ask you for the link to prove that I really wanted it? Is that how it works? Like... I saw I saw you in the chat, uh, so I knew I knew you were around, and but I send it like about like ten minutes or so beforehand because some people like show up early and it throws off our rhythm and everything, and so I don't like sending it too early, and then they're like, "Oh, I can join now." We're it's here, like, no, we're, we're here. here, we'll join. Yeah, we'll join. yeah. It's no. like, oh, you're scheduled for this time. Like this is when we like we we appreciate anybody who shows up at all, much less early. Uh, but I don't like sending the link out too early because then they they're just like, "Oh, I guess I'm I'm joining now," and then we kind of have to reshift things, or maybe we're talking about one thing and it's like, "Oh, we got to cut that short because now the guest is here and we don't want the guest to wait." So no, it was not. I was not ghosting you. Uh, it was. Was legitimately because like I wanted to make sure we hit our marks. You know, we're not John Cena going over time trying to trying to cut things off here. Well done on pulling that back. Very yeah. professional. Thank you, Naren. Take care. Enjoy. Love to meet you. Bye. Enjoy the rest of your your day evening over there. Now it's evening. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go yes. eat some dinner now. So there you go. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Uh, everyone, everyone follow Naren. You can do that over at NK Flanders on Twitter. Um, and I, I use a British accent for the Twitter uh, and, and Daily Mail, Daily Mirror, apologies, Daily Mirror over there as well. <laughs> that was not a British accent. And I'm waiting for you to like pull me from here and you're not. Is, so oh, sometimes, see, this is another video. thing. See, sometimes people don't. I mean, I can easily do it. There we go. Sometimes people like exit out themselves. Sometimes like I do it and then they're trying to click it. And so it pops them back on. It's that weird. Like, do I high five? Do I handshake? And then you, you just do like, both. caught you in do the both. middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great chat. Naren's fantastic. We're going to have to have her back. Great time. All you got to do, by the way, if you're ever on the show, just you just close the window and automatically you're out of the game. That's easy. Yeah. 
Yeah. We could bring you back as needed. And then everyone oh. everyone always ends up sticking around for, for a few minutes anyway in the backstage. We're going to talk awkward. shit about me. Yeah, I always feel awkward about that. Of Like, do I remove them? Oh, they're still backstage. Do I just kick them from the studio? Sometimes I'll let them hang around a little bit. Like, it worked out in our favor when uh, Coughlin was on the show because I mentioned the Coughlin thing and then he put in the private chat and then I got got you a booking for him to beat you up. Yes, um, thanks. But yeah, like, I'm like, oh, do you want to hang around backstage? Do you know how to close out? Do I just boot you? It's always a, a weird thing. I've only had to boot one person, like, because they didn't figure it out. Um, I don't remember who it was now, but it was on the really. show. We did it live on the air with them, too. It was very funny. <laughs> I was like, should we put them? Should we kick them? Like, oh, maybe it was Casey. It may have been Casey Navarro. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was somebody else. Anyway. Um, yeah, that was good. Good. They're fantastic. That was fun. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. No, she put no. over Alex McCarthy and Alistair McGeorge, who people may think we have like I have beef with all these people. I think everybody knows McCarthy's been on the show like multiple times and we're trying to, yeah, begrudgingly uh, the drew Mac insider. God, I can't believe I actually used that term. Uh, I, I was trying to get McCarthy for like a quick spot to, to talk about the McIntyre stuff. Uh, and Alistair McGeorge, I think he's going to join us maybe next week. Uh, so yes, Alistair McGeorge is someone who I'm a, a big fan of and uh, think fondly of his work. And I would like him on the show. Yeah. At some point. That said, Naren should still punch them both in the face and kick them in the shins. I have to drastically change the thumbnail on this video. Now I just realized you do. I, gotta, I don't know why you went with like, I, I, I'm not going to lie, Joel. I saw the thumbnail and I was a little like, why are we doing priest? Is this because, I mean, Oh, let me tell you, me tell you what's that? that? Not because I was right. Honestly, it wasn't. It's because it was yeah. 11 at night. I didn't want to rehash what I already made for Joel and Kate. And I was like, I don't know how far we're going to get into conversations. Because um, I knew we were going to talk to Naren. And I didn't know. Obviously, we talked about this. I didn't know we were going to talk to Court. So I, I was kind of like, uh, mm -hmm. something. And I like to balance it if I can. Maybe John Cena. Well, that's the thing. I'm probably going to change it. It's going to be John Cena and it's going to be Corp Bauer. And those, those are probably going to be the two on the, the thumbnail at this point. Because we're, we're not going to talk about Collision. we got 10 minutes left. We probably have to wrap up our Money in the Bank talk uh, unless we touch on Collision. There wasn't much to talk about. But other than that, um, we can get back into Money in the Bank. And I'm just going to switch up the, uh, the thumbnail in a, an hour. <laughs> should have been John Cena in the first place. It should have been. I will take that out. I, will, I, will act, I have a photo already saved from last night that i was going to use i don't know why i didn't use it oh i think it was because it just didn't fit whatever i was working on at the time but whatever it's here it's thumbnail but people don't care unless you're a youtube creator watching us being like thumbnails what, what are we talking about thumbnails are important kids that's how it that's how joel and kate gets 1500 views in the first 24 hours in the first 12 hours it should have been cm punk because we're colliders joel aren't you a collider so many people on Blue Sky were talking about that. <laughs> that was uh, that was definitely one way of doing it. Collider. Are you a collider? I mean, I partially watched the show. I actually had to go back and watch it Saturday night. Uh, you know, you know a little bit about what happened, but uh, a crazy night here at the uh, Lambert household with uh, with children running around and being children so i only got to watch part of of collision i gotta go back and watch the rest but i did watch roddy and samoa joe until samoa joe choke out roddy and then now we're gonna get joe and punk next week they did a stretcher angle with roddy so we can go off and have an independent run i guess good on him that's actually yeah that's a good that's a good shout i didn't think about that actually i do want to i someone 
I was listening to a show and somebody came up with a pretty interesting concept. And that was the idea that we're going to find out that MJF paid off Samoa Joe to take out Roddy Strong because that's Adam Cole's best friend, baby. Okay. I don't hate that idea. And I was, I wasn't thinking about it, but Adam Cole came out at the end of the match to check on Roddy. Uh, You know, obviously punk is part of this because it's going to be punk and Joe next in the, in the Owen. But I kind of said like, that would be a cool little extra spot that you can add another extra wrinkle you can add to this Max and, and Adam Cole story that is going to unfold with Max, you know, turning on Adam Cole. That's just the only way it's going to be. I do love, by the way, MJF showing up on Chug streams. Not only, not only did he like call in and that video went around, he also has like subscribed to Adam Cole to the Chugs channel for like the last three months. And he keeps leaving messages when he resubs. It's really, <laughs> really silly, stupid Twitch stuff that makes me laugh. And it plays into the story. And th- this is the stuff where I, I enjoy it because it, it adds, um, it adds a little wrinkle to the story, but it's how many times have I, have I talked here about like the fans shouldn't have to explain the story. This is not one of those times. This is this is stuff we already know on the show. We've seen the way that that MJF and Adam Cole have interacted on camera. So it would make sense that Max would do this during Chugs' streams. Like this, this just is funny little extra layers. This is an extra storytelling that is missing from AEW programming. So I, I love where that's going. But Roddy Strong being taken out by Samoa Joe as a payment uh, because he's a mercenary. To me, that makes sense. And that would be a really fun uh, extra wrinkle to add to that story with, with Adam Cole and MJF. I like that. Uh, whoever suggested that, I like that you gave them credit instead of taking it for your own, like I would have done. I'm like, this is off the top of my head, original storytelling right from my brain. I like that you made sure to mention that this was not your idea. Uh, I do like that idea that MJF would be paying off Samoa Joe, though. And I like the Easter egg of MJF. Yeah, going on the Twitch stream and calling in and resubbing and sending bits and everything. It's not something that like takes away from what they're doing on television or if like you don't keep up with it. It's like, oh, wait, I missed this little thing out there. But it's something that can just enhance to it. Like it, it, it's not necessary for the story to work like some of the stuff they will do that you don't see on television. It's like, oh, you should probably have that part on television because otherwise we just missed this whole bit of the story. Or it should have been on a main show because otherwise we don't know what's going on because not everybody watches uh, you know, Rampage at this point. So what are we doing here? Uh, it's a little Easter egg type thing. And you can do little Easter egg types things as long as it, again, doesn't take away from the actual overall story and people don't miss that portion. Of it, so yeah, I do like that MJF and Adam Cole are willing to go that give it that little extra, actual Easter egg out there. Uh, the the rest of Collision, the guns are part of Bullet Club officially, and uh, Jay White calling out CM Punk, mentioning the bag, and now we will we will see if uh, I, I assume we're doing a Jay White CM Punk match at some point. I hope they circle back around to that title stuff because that, that feels pretty important. Yeah, I agree, and uh, right now. I think we're getting in Regina as a tag team match for the tag titles. FTR yeah. versus uh, Switchblade and, and Juice. Yeah, Fine by me. Again, I, I do enjoy... One thing about Collision that I do enjoy is that they've taken the, the top eight effectively and they've continued to split them out into different stories. 
right? You've taken Samoa Joe and CM Punk in this case. You've got FTR and you've got uh, Bullet Club, or, sorry, Bullet Club Gold doing their thing. You've got the guns now part of this uh, this whole thing. Ricky Starks is going to be a part of it with uh, with the Owen and and his side of the bracket as well. There's there's some good um, interconnecting tissues that make the show. Uh, more enhanced and therefore more watchable or followable. This particular week wasn't very strong, but I think they kind of knew that. They knew that they were taped for the first time. They knew that they had uh, a WWE PLE in this case to, that they were not going up against, but they were following, which after four hours of wrestling, some people are just kind of done. Um, and, and, you know, they didn't have exactly the hottest crowd in the world because no one goes to Hamilton and Hamilton's an awful place to go. So... <laughs> so. Uh, but it was it was fine. I I did like that the Owen was center stage in Hamilton for this event. That was nice. Um, I I still maintain Ethan Page should have been in the Owen, but I don't hate that they used Ethan as a match for MJF and that it was a competitive match. It wasn't a squash. Um, and as long as you do something with Ethan Page after this, I don't have expectations of that, unfortunately. But it would be really nice to see. That's kind of where my head is at there with uh, with Ethan Page. And that's what it has to be. There's got to be some type of follow-up, right? I, does Matt Hardy still own his contract? Is that still like a thing? Or do they just be like, yeah, Matt won. They got the contract, but like, we're not actually going to go anywhere with that because the Hardys aren't really going to Canada. Uh, Jeff has a dislocated jaw, according to Matt Hardy. So is is that... <laughs> I'm just saying what, what has been put out there by the Hardys, Joel. I get it. Um, yeah. Uh, but is that a thing that Matt still like has the contract? I don't know, but I hope, I hope there is some follow-up. It was nice to see Ethan in that spot. You know, he been a heel on television. He obviously baby faced in Canada. Now they're still in Canada for the next couple of weeks. Is he going to be used? Is he still going to be a baby face? Does he return to being a heel? There's gotta be a follow. It can't just be Ethan page gets his big reaction. We're using him and then no more. I just want him to win a title. I don't even need the title. You know what? I don't. I want Ethan Page to get some sort of something because he does. He clearly cares. He clearly does this well. And he just, there should have been some sort of light shine on him beyond what's going on, you know, on, on, in a Hamilton show. Uh, This was a good place to reintroduce him. This was a good place to be like, this guy is good. This guy is really friggin' good. So um that that's kind of where i'm at uh we can probably wrap a couple of minutes early because i gotta, I gotta stuff. yeah you gotta go i gotta do a plug there's nothing on raw tonight and Rhea's is gonna beat natalia so there you go uh everybody if you're watching this show right now 5 p.m eastern we might be a little bit behind because megabyte ronnie's a big star uh and he's in the nathan's hot dog eating contest tomorrow but roughly 5 p.m. Eastern, right here, fightfuloverbooked.com. There you go. There's the graphic. The Great American Oreo Eating Contest. It is myself. It is independent wrestler Matt Brannigan. We will be eating Oreos for three minutes, as many as we can, and then we might throw up on screen. Who knows? Uh, You never know what's going to happen with this kind of stuff. But as myself, it is Matt Brannigan, Megabyte Ronnie, who is a retired independent uh, wrestler, but maybe come back. He's got some good news over the weekend. And he's a professional uh, eater. I guess that's the term for it, right? Professional eater. Um, He is competing tomorrow in the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. You can watch him live on ESPN tomorrow, compete against the likes of Joey Chestnut. But before you watch him on ESPN tomorrow, you can watch him 
right here, fightfuloverbooked.com, 5 p.m. Eastern, as he is the MC for the Great American Oreo Eating Contest at 5 p.m. Eastern today. Joel, do the rest of the plugs. Fightfuloverbooked.com, youtube.com slash fightfuloverbooked. We have content dropping every single day as Jeremy opens up Oreos very loudly. Oreos! My God. Uh, don't follow Jeremy. Follow Fight Talk underscore instead. And uh, we'll be back on Wednesday, as we always are, getting in the weeds at 10 a.m. Eastern. Who's going to be on the show? Alex Hammerson is going to be there. Uh, we have another guest that uh, we're hoping we're going to. Snisky! It's not go. his fault. It's not his fault. He said it himself in the chat. He got in touch with us, said it's not his fault. He's going to join us on Wednesday, I believe, at 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, and then Hammerstone's going to be with us in the morning as well. So come and check us out. It's basically MLW Week in the Weeds. So I am at Joel Pearl, J-O-E-L-P-E-A-R-L. Ladies and gentlemen, friends beyond the binary, we'll see you in the next one. Cheers. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.